Hi, my name's Paul. And my name is Carla. And you're listening to No Garnish. Who is he today, nurse? <laughs> I don't know who he is now. He's been trying to stick ginger up everyone's bum. <laughs> hey! Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. So this week we are doing Chino cocktails. Chino. Chinar. C-Y-N-A-R. Chinar. It's an artichoke-based Amaro. It's Amaro! That's right. <laughs> it's a bitter herbal liqueur from Italy. So before we get into it, mm-hmm. last episode we missed a trick. What did we miss? The last cocktail that we had, The Devil Rides Out. Yeah. That was officially our 100th cocktail oh, on the show. Oh, man, how did we miss that? Because I didn't count them till afterwards. Ah, oh, shit. Because I thought we must be nearing 100 and then realised afterwards. That that was the 100th. That was the 100th. Wow, man, 100 cocktails. 100 cocktails are Centina. And we're following off with the Centara. Are we? What's what's the cocktail I, I, called I, again? <laughs> The cocktail's called the Chin Chin. Chin Chin has nothing to do with (laughs) (laughs) centuries. But yeah, what I realised was that 100 cocktails and not one of them has had Chino in, I don't think. Oh, right. Is this a special... Well, it's it's my favourite Amaro. Oh, right. I love Chino. Wow. What's an Amaro again? (laughs) Really? A bitter herbal liqueur from Italy. Ah, yes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, this is what Paul has to put up with. Doing a podcast with they someone know. with ADHD. They've been, they've been listening. They know very well. Hey, man, you can't be this entertaining and follow. You know, this special gift of mine requires a lot of my brain capacity. Yeah, man. Okay, cool. So this is your favourite Amaro. That's amazing. It is. So I've picked two of my favourite Chino cocktails. Right. So the first one is called the Chin Chin. Chin Chin. So it's spelled C-I-N-C-Y-N. So it's a play on the Italian cheers, Chin Chin. Oh, is that right? Is that, is that where but Chin Chin comes Chino from? Come from? I'm going to tell you where Chin Chin comes oh, from. Oh, because Chin Chin? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do a Chin Chin for the drink now. Chin Chin the Chin Chins. So the origins of this, no one knows who came up with it, but it's either a riff on a Negroni or it's a riff on a Rabo de Gallo. Rabo de Gallo, that's a fun thing to say, isn't it? It means rooster's tail. Ooh, rooster's tail. And it actually means cocktail. Cocktail? Yeah, it means cocktail. Oh, is that where cocktail comes from? From rooster's tail? That is one of the theories. Ah, Rabo de Gallo. That they used to... No, separate. What? Separately. <laughs> There's a theory that cocktail comes from literally putting cock's feathers in the drink. Right. But that's from England. Right. England or America. Okay. Why would you put cock feathers in? Like garnish. Oh. So that's one theory. Okay. Another theory is the cocktail comes from the practice of putting ginger up a horse's bum. Why would you put ginger up a bum? To perk it up. What happens if you put ginger up your bum? Try it. Try it. Don't say that to a gay guy who's into all weird sort of stuff. Have you never seen there's, there's um one of the re- one of the very early Kirby enthusiasms? Yeah, he's at a dinner party and Paul O'Gill is telling a story about his days in the porn industry. Right. And he says about how one of the tricks they would use was to be like someone would get hot sauce on their finger and put it up your ass and it would make you perk up. Jesus Christ, I don't think it would make you perk up. I think it would make you bloody scream in agony, wouldn't it? Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
But apparently this is what, when, when people were trying to sell horses. Right. To make, say, like a tired horse look right. a bit brighter. Jesus. Stick ginger up its bum. Fuck me. Cock its tail and it would perk up. Oh, my God. So that's another theory about where the word cocktail comes Jesus, from. Jesus, humans are brutal, aren't we? <laughs> I've just got visions now of just like how I'm going to be spending my weekend. <laughs> Put your theory to the test. You shouldn't really tell a gay guy to try something like that, should you? I did think that, as I was saying. <laughs> not, not, no, not, not gay guys, just you. <laughs> just me? Yeah, just, I shouldn't what? be telling you. What? What? Like, innocent Wolfie? Wolfie's so innocent. There's really nothing innocent about you. No, I'm so innocent. I'm the most innocent person. We've, um, we've established that um, Wolfie is my like an, is a part of my psyche like i've got <laughs> who's the who's the we <laughs> like just the you know, we the royal we like, like you and the other voices in your <laughs> yeah head. yeah basically we've decided we've established that wolfie is the sort of like he needs protecting he's basically the pet part of my psyche that just wants to be petted kept in a little cage and just told that he's a good boy well often when i refer to myself as wolfie it's always mm. in sympathy that's and, true. Oh, poor Wolfie. He's so misunderstood. Yeah. I'm like, oh. So he's like the sort of pathetic version of me, <laughs> of my psyche. <laughs> is what I retreat to when I've had a really hard day or yeah. things aren't going right in life. Um, right, man. Come on. Try the chin chin. Oh, yeah. I can't wait it. to try it. Yeah. I'd like a metaphor, please, as well. We haven't had one for a while. I like this. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. tasty. It's like. Yeah, there's a little like house and it's all nestled in and it's got a thatched roof and it's all a bit sort of like spooky and a bit sort of witchy. Mm. And then, yeah, sort of like you go up to it and you, you just really want to lick the door and you realise that the door's like treacle and then you open it up and then you go in and there's like a sort of chest in the middle of it and it's all smoky and there's like dried herbs everywhere and weird wind chimes and stuff. And then you sort of open the chest up and all the smoke comes out, and 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 then, then, then the chest just sucks you in. Yeah, do you do I you think, pick up on the smokiness of it? Yeah, there is sort of inherently in the chino. I think there's some smokiness, and definitely the treacle. I'm mean, like black treacle. Black treacle. That's what yeah. we're talking, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. Sort of very tar-like. Tar-like. Yeah. yeah. Sort of sticky. Yeah, that's why I love chino. Which is, which I is, love all the flavors. I like the herbs. I like mm. the, like that that black treacliness. I like yeah. there is a smoky woodiness to it, earthiness as well. It doesn't taste of artichokes. No, but it does have its a very unique taste. Yeah, it has a, like it has a lovely rich bitterness to it, but it's not overpowering. Do you know what I mean? And, and yeah. I think because of that treacle sense, I, I get a Halloween feel. And yeah. it's, it's a nice drink for this time of year. I love, yeah, I really like this drink, man. I can see why it's one of your favourites. Because mm. this is like a Negroni with the edges rounded and softened. Mm. I, I love it. I love this drink. Do you know what you can, I'm, and I'm sure I've seen recipes of taking something pretty similar to this and then lengthening it with apple juice. I think oh. I think apple flavours would work quite well with this. Yeah, that would be nice. I'd yeah. like to definitely like to try that. Yeah, lengthening it with apple. Do you know where Chin Chin comes from? Do I know where Chin Chin? Yeah, as in, so you know, you've heard of Chin Chin as like a cheers, like an old-fashioned. Yeah. So in England, it's like an old-fashioned way of saying cheers, Chin Chin. Yeah, I, I first uh, heard it when my brother used to say it. I always kind of associate it with 
a slightly higher society version of a Cheers. It's a bit posh, isn't it? A bit it? posh, Old yeah. Old-fashioned posh. Old-fashioned posh, yeah. Mm. Does it come from, like, you know, chin-chin, like on the chin, keep your chin up? No, but that links to Cheers. Oh, right, interesting. So chin-chin, which is, I think it's actually still used occasionally in Italy and France, much more than it is in England. Mm -hmm. But those are the countries that used it, Italy, France and England. And quite surprisingly, it comes from Chinese culture. Oh, right. Started off in Italy... And it was Europeans first encountering Chinese culture. Right. So in Mandarin, when you would invite people to sit down and start eating and drinking, you would say ching ching. Oh, ching ching. I've come across different spellings. One spelling is Z-I-N. Right. The Mandarin. Oh, like zing zing. And another one is Q-I-N-G. But I think they're both pronounced with a ch sound. Quinjing. But I, but I think hearing it from European ears, it was heard more like a chin-chin. Yes. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. that's where it comes from. Don't say it in Japan. Why? In Japan, chin-chin is slang for penis. Oh, is it? Penis! Yeah. Like, can you imagine that? And the repetition in Mandarin, repeating a word quickly, conveys sincerity and enthusiasm. But I, think, I guess I'm, I'm starting to think, like, when we would do that, but I think we, we would, people do that, we're like, go on, eat, eat, go on, eat up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know where cheers comes from? To cheers someone? No, but I like guessing. When you talk about on the chin. Oh, yeah. You're in the right area. Oh, okay. Face. Face. Cheers. Uh, Cheeks. Keep your cheeks up. Like, smile. Be happy. Cheers. That's the closest I can get to. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, because cheer. So a cheer originally just meant your countenance. Well, it literally meant the feelings behind your expression. Oh, interesting. So what's your cheer? What cheer today? Oh, so what's what's your mood? What's, what's your mood? Your yeah, so, so originally it meant mood. Yeah, mood's a good way of putting it. So to cheer someone on, well, is to like champion, isn't it? Is to sort of cheer them. Like, yeah, because you would well, cheer be- someone on, Well, that became you? later. So it comes from the Latin cara, which means head or face. Right. That travelled into France and became chair. Chair. And then that travelled into England and became cheer. And then that travelled into America and became share. <laughs> I'm like Pandora's box. You guys opened it up and now I don't know what to do with it, but you know, here I am. So that's the origins of cheers. And then it started to be used as a greeting. What cheer? Yeah. And that's where watcher comes from. Watcher? That comes from what cheer? What's watcher? It's like another old-fashioned English way of saying, watcher, mate. Oh, right. And it literally means what cheer, mate. Ah, so not... Watcher. Maybe there was more like... It was definitely a thing around London when I was growing up. Is it? Watcher cock. Watcher cock, yeah. Because you said that on a lot on um, our Christmas War of the Worlds. <laughs> yeah. Watcher cock. Which I was like, what do you mean watch my cock? My cock's fine, thanks. So cheers started off as a greeting and then it became a thank you to offer someone good cheer upon parting good cheer to you oh i see so that's where cheers comes from you can also use cheers you know now sarcastically so like oh cheers yeah cheers mate thanks which is i think is a very english thing yeah but when i was in america and i think i might have said this before i noticed that like i would say oh cheers to people like quite a bit and when i said that they always looked perplexed and then someone said to me like when you say it it sounds like you're being sarcastic like you're being an english person being like oh cheers thanks they were hearing it as like me going oh cheers as a put down it was kind of interesting. So when I stopped doing that, people were nicer to me. Is that because they would only ever say it in a kind of quite a brilliant way, like a cheers? I think so, yeah. They would never say it as just an, as, as a, an 
exchanging that for thank you. They wouldn't go, yeah. oh, cheers. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it was the intonation of that yeah. I was putting onto it because I was doing in a relaxed yeah. kind of cheers, like sort of in throwaway. In the way English people do. Yeah, yeah, in a throwaway. They were understanding it, interpreting it as when we are using it sarcastically. I just, I just found that interesting, you know, like how something like cheers has gone from a celebratory to well, being a slur. I mean, it's, yeah, and having started off being about someone's feelings. Yeah. Their mood. Yeah, yeah. So all of that obviously is about toasting. Toasting. Do you know yeah. where toasting comes from? No. Literally putting toast in drinks. Toast in drinks. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. It was um 16th century, and it was a tradition to add a bit of spiced toast to a drink. Really? That's where the phrase "to toast" comes from. Right. It's the fact that you're drinking wine, normally wine with toast in it. Wow. By putting the spiced toast in it, yeah, you're adding flavour. Yeah. So by toasting the host, you're admiring the flavour that they have brought to the gathering. By sticking toast in it. Yeah. That's crazy. That's amazing. Putting toast in wine. Yeah. Like, can you imagine if we did that? Like, if you're around someone's house and they pour some wine out and you just pop out to their kitchen and stick a slice of hover <laughs> Slice of toast sticking out of it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Just cutting your soldiers up. <laughs> just dipping it into your wine. I'm drinking it the old-fashioned way. Yeah, I know. Wow. God, those crazy 16th century people bloody hell yeah it's like where upper crust comes from isn't it oh tell me about that so there's a theory that upper crust came from the fact that people uh, in the medieval times ate off bread so um hmm. the chief the king or the chief of the tribe would get the slice the the top slice with the upper crust so that it wouldn't go soggy you know you it would be more oh, like a plate so that's why you get the <laughs> right. upper crust yeah isn't that mad <laughs> But everyone else had, had to have a soggy plate. The end, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Should we get into China? Yeah, I'm really loving this drink, man. I, I love it. I really... This is tasty. Good. Mm, I, I can't stop drinking it. Damn, I thought I was going to give you something that you're going to have trouble with. No, there's kind of a little bit of um, Bekarovka flavours in it as well. How dare you. What? Yeah, okay. You, you're kind of right. There There is some notes of the herbs there. Yeah. But generally, I think Bekarovka's vile. Interesting enough, I was talking to someone on Instagram who made a AR animated comic for Jägermeister about the story of Jägermeister. Oh, okay. Um, it just reminded me, because um, Bekarovka, Jägermeister, it's all those herbs and flavours, isn't it? I bet they left out Herman Goring. Well, yeah, I think they did. It's really sort of fascinating, because obviously it's a comic, but they mean you put your phone over it, it turns into an animated comic. Oh, quite, wow. Quite impressive, yeah. How does it do that? was using AR technology, so the, the phone... Oh, augmented reality, right? Yeah, yeah okay, yeah. right. Oh, wow. Yeah, really, really cool. There's a person in Australia, I really like their work, and we just started chatting on Instagram. So China, fairly modern, launched in Italy in 1952, and it became popular after appearing on an Italian television show called Carousello. I was looking into this TV show because right. I found this a really interesting premise. Oh, okay. And it mirrors stuff going on today. Right. So there was Italian television channel. The main one was called RAI. We're talking like early 50s here. So RAI was a channel that was paid for by subscribers. Oh, okay. But they weren't getting enough money to keep the channel running. So they needed to somehow do advertising. But there was an Italian law that said that you couldn't have 
TV adverts in between programs. Oh, interesting. So they found a creative way to get around this. Okay. So they created a show called Carousello. It was a 10-minute show, and it was a show of short sketches and animations and puppetry. Right. But at the end of each sketch, a product would be promoted. Right. And this was on every day for decades. Right. And it was a 10-minute show. It came after the news. Right. And it was really popular. Right. People loved it. Right. Some of the animations were done by Hanna-Barbera. Wow. There were serious Italian filmmakers like Sergio Leone and Fellini made some of the clips. Oh, right. Okay. Basically, they kind of invented, out of necessity, story-driven commercials. Right. I mean, that's how Transformers started, wasn't it? Being a child of the 80s and 90s. How did Transformers start? I'm trying to remember the facts. This is all from the top of my head. But they wanted to advertise the toy range. So they made the toy of Transformers before the cartoons okay. and they wanted to advertise them but there were kind of laws around advertising for kids they were like oh okay well how do we get around this oh I know let's just have a whole animated series which is basically just mm. advertising the toys Yeah, and that was a way that they got around the advertising laws it's like well instead we can just have a half hour advert that kids love and that just sells the toys then yeah. And, you know, I grew up absolutely yeah. loving Transformers. But essentially, they were, you know, it was ultra capitalism marketed at kids, yeah. you know. I mean, I find those like old adverts so funny. I mean, they're also like, most of them are really misogynistic. You know, like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> does your wife have to do all the laundry? Ah, but with Laundromax, she won't have to do it so much so that she can do other things for you, like yes. baking yeah. and cleaning the house and keeping her man happy. I mean, that's just terrible, isn't it, when you look yeah. back? But so, yeah, these weren't like that. These were like funny sketches and, oh, interesting. and things. There's quite a lot of them on YouTube. And a lot of them just seeped into Italian culture and vernacular as well. Yeah. And Chino was the fourth advert on Italian television full stop. Right. It was in the very first episode. The slogan was something like, drink Chino to help you unwind. Mm. And there was a particular actor, an Italian actor, who became famous because he was on every episode advertising Chino. And he was like a household name. Ah. This guy. And he was one of the famous ones. Is like he, he'll, he's like sitting at a table, sipping Chino, chilling out. Yeah. But the little cafe table is in the middle of a massive busy intersection and cars are whizzing around him. And he's just unflustered because he's drinking Chino. Oh, nice. Bevete Chinar, l'aperitivo a base di carciofo contro il logorio della vita moderna. The last thing specifically to Carousello. The name of the program, Carousello, means carousel. Oh, okay. And it was inspired by Cantastoria. Have you ever heard of Cantastoria? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I don't know. I had a feeling you might do. So Cantastoria um, means story singer. And it's a theatrical form where someone is singing or telling a story. Yeah. And as they're performing this in public, obviously, and as they're doing this, they're pointing to illustrations and drawings. So like in India, they were religious tales and they were called sabikas. Okay. In Japan, they were called Itoki. Right. And then in, in Spain, up to the 19th century, there was something called blind man stories. Right. And so the storyteller used to be a blind man. Yeah. And he would have a young helper. Right. Pointing to the pictures, to the audience. Oh, interesting. And then that art form turned into the moving panoramas. Okay. So on a stage. Yeah. And there's a big panorama backdrop. Yeah. 
but it moves. And apparently this was a huge phenomena, particularly in England, America, and there were hundreds of these touring, moving panorama shows. Wow. Which is obviously a precursor to cinema. Oh, right. Which is obviously a precursor then to TV. Oh, interesting. And I'm like, how have I never even heard of moving panoramas? Yeah. It's a massive thing, apparently. Was it? Yeah. So what, what period is that again? That was 19th century. Oh, okay. So that's, yeah. So, that, so how would it work? See, again, you'd have someone telling a story. Sometimes it might actually be a couple of actors acting out stuff. Okay. But the illustration, the printed illustration, is on a backdrop, and it's moving. It's like, imagine it's like two rollers on either end, and it's just being rolled around. Oh, okay. Slowly. But but big, massive. Yeah, but a, a rolling scene. Yeah, but I'm thinking like a giant bear tapestry, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we know about these kind of things because we've seen them in museums. Mm. I've never seen that in a museum. No. And you think if it was that popular, there's hundreds of them all over Europe and America. Yeah. But I've never seen that. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's like you know, like Zoe Tropes like made a huge comeback in I think it was the 40s. um, Yeah. Where they started using them for record records. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you used to have, have a one little... in your gallery, didn't you, in your window? Yeah, so when I had a gallery, I had, um, so someone I was at university with, yeah, did an amazing uh, music video, and actually I think he won an award for best low-budget music video, because uh, he was working with a really big agency in London, and yeah, he made a whole music video out of Zoe Tropes. Moray McLaren, I think it was the artist. Yeah, I'll see if I can dig it out, and I'll see if I can put it on the Instagram at some point. You know, because it's like... Now we have TV and streaming and entertainments in our living room at all times. Something that I find really interesting about, you know, post-apocalyptic dramas and everything is that for people to have entertainment, they either have to, like, read a book or they have to perform to each other. Mm-hmm. I know, like, some families who grew up without TV or anything would often put plays on for each other. What was quite mad is someone in my studio used to have a contract every year to make costumes because she was a costume maker yeah and she would have these mad budgets to make costumes for this incredibly rich family really but she'd be making really elaborate like peter pan costumes and captain hook costumes and everything and they didn't even use them all because they were that rich wow. so that she might be making all of this crazy embellishment and they might not even use them but they would be sent off to the like one of their christmas homes and then they would like put on a play kind of nuts isn't it that's crazy it that's crazy. like one of those things of like you hear about the kind of things that rich people do yeah like mega rich people yeah yeah and yeah. you're like no and you're like yeah i remember that's like normal you know like there was that program it used to get me really angry which is like the richest or most luxurious christmases oh it used to make me so angry because they would be like oh we're making the most expensive star to go on a tree and i think it was like a half a million pounds with like diamond and wow. gold encrusted and they're so gaudy and so tacky because they're trying to make it so expensive yeah this person was decorating one of the like oligarchs houses in london with like something like you know a hundred thousand pounds worth of christmas decorations mm. and they're hand selecting all of these amazing baubles and everything and at the end of it she said well you know we're doing this but the family haven't decided if they're going to have Christmas here. Mm-hmm. So they do all of that, and it might not even be seen. It's just it's obscene wealth that's actually quite disgusting, really, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, 
Yeah. We're going down a dark route. Well, uh, that was making me think, have you been watching Fall of the House of Usher? Oh, my God. We've just finished it. I've got oh. two episodes left. Oh, man. I'm loving it. Brilliant, isn't it's it? It's amazing. It's one of the best things I've seen in ages. Yeah. I mean, I really love the directors of um, that series, like, because they did, you know, Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Bly Manor. It's such an interesting story. I think it's brilliant. I love the way that it's it's so obviously the Sackler family. Yes. It's the family in it. Yeah, yeah. And and I thing is I love camp gothic horror. Yeah. And that's what it is, but yeah. but in modern day. So listeners, like I really if you haven't seen it yet and you love your horror series, definitely get on it because it's brilliant. It's really good. It I, is. I love the script. I think the script is brilliant. Because although they're all vile characters, pretty much, yeah, you kind of like them at the same time because it's quite campy. Yeah, definitely. I think they're makers of their own demise, really. Yes, and yeah. and so you do kind of feel sorry for them as as horrendous as they are. They're a product of that lifestyle. But yeah, all I'm going to say, man, is you know when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. No. First, you roll out a multimedia campaign to convince people lemons are incredibly scarce, which only works if you stockpile lemons, control the supply, then a, a media blitz. Lemons are the only way to say I love you, the must-have accessory for engagements or anniversaries. Roses are out, lemons are in, billboards that say she won't have sex with you unless you've got lemons. You cut the beers in on it. Limited edition lemon bracelets, yellow diamonds called lemon drops. You get Apple to call their new operating system OS Lemon. Little accent over the O. You charge 40% more for organic lemons, 50% more for conflict-free lemons. You pack the capital with lemon lobbyists. You get a Kardashian to suck a lemon wedge in a leaked sex tape. Timothy Chalamet wears lemon shoes at Cannes. Get a hashtag campaign. Something isn't cool or tight or awesome no it's lemon did you see that movie did you go to that concert it was effing lemon billy eilish omg hashtag lemon you get dr oz to recommend four lemons a day and a lemon suppository supplement to get rid of toxins because there's nothing scarier than toxins then you patent the seeds You write a line of genetic code that makes lemons look just a little more like tits, and you get a gene patent for the tit lemon DNA sequence. You cross-pollinate, you get those seeds circulating in the wild, and then you sue the farmers for copyright infringement when that genetic code shows up on their land. Sit back, rake in the millions, and then when you're done, and you've sold your lempire for a few billion dollars then, and only then, you make some fucking lemonade thing is there's a commentary on really what's happening in the world at the moment you know yeah. i know i know we try not to get too political on no garnish but we're in a sort of um such a sort of moment i think where all of this corporate billionaire greed is so saturated now and it's so blatantly obvious on a level that has never been before isn't it do you remember me talking about kurt anderson's fantasy land in the america episode uh yes i think so yeah i'm reading his follow-up book which is called evil geniuses oh okay and about how how we've come to this point right and how it all started back in the 70s as like a very deliberate plan 
and went on for decades so well orchestrated that it's only now people are sort of realizing what was going on oh really it's fascinating but fucking terrifying Do you know that's really time. interesting because i always attribute it with it happening in the 80s with the kind of yuppie culture and the stock market and wall street but actually when you think about it the genius of this is always going to be a, a decade or two earlier than that but you're right you know. that's that's when it, then the big shift happens in the 80s in the right. early 80s with reagan right enacting certain policies that people thought oh this sounds fine oh interesting but actually it was all just like little seeds being sown that right. had all been planned in the 70s right yeah and even he's talking in the book he's saying you know I don't like using the term conspiracy but I mean, what I'm learning is that during the 80s, what was happening was a lot of deregulation right. that was allowing this kind of thing to happen. Which is what's happening in the UK at the moment exactly. with, the, with the Tories. Exactly. Yeah. All this deregulation, this kind yeah. of idea of like free markets. Yeah. So bad for the public because it's just... It's literally turning countries into pyramid schemes. Yes. Oh, it gets me so angry! I know, I know. Let's calm down a bit. I don't want to be calm! I like getting angry! Get Wolfie angry! It should be at moments like that when you say, and you see, this is what Paul has to put up. <laughs> yeah, well, well, how do you think Josh feels? Making a way in the world today Takes everything you got Taking a break from all your worries Sure would help a lot wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came You want to be where you can see The troubles are all the same You want to be where everybody knows your name Stop. Roll out of bed and coffee's in my morning looking bright. <laughs> so this is our second cocktail. Ah, this is a cocktail called Scorched Earth, created by a guy in Atlanta called Nicholas Heeren in 2006. Oh, okay, it's pretty similar ingredients, right, to the last one, the Chin Chin. Except this is a served straight up cocktail, no ice. Mm. And it's brandy is the spirit. Right. So it's brandy, china, sweet vermouth. And then the scorched bit is a flamed lemon peel. Ah, right. Nice. It's also very like a cocktail called the Little Italy. Hmm. And Little Italy is like a Manhattan that has china in it. Ah, okay. But I was drinking them both because I was trying to decide which one I wanted to do. <laughs> so you were just drinking them So all. I was drinking them both. I think you might have probably preferred the Little Italy. Right. But... I call the shots on the cocktail, so, yeah, I, so I chose this one because I think I prefer this. I think it's a bit mellower. You're like Doc Brown. You decide where we go on the journey. I mean, the Little Italy's great. I'm just, it was just in the mood that I was in, putting yeah. them back to back. I was thinking, I think I prefer this one more. Try it. If you're Doc Brown, does that mean I'm Marty McFly? No, you're Einstein. I'm what, the dog? <laughs> <laughs> I'll run with that. I'm fine with that. I think I'm more George. Do you think? No. No, I don't think you are. You're Biff. Doc Brown, man. <laughs> Biff. <laughs> Someone said I was like Biff. And I was really offended. <laughs> no, I'm not. Am I Biff? Oh. You're the entire cast, the my entire friend. Cast. <laughs> You're everyone. <laughs> I'm the entire cast. You, so, anyway, anyway, yeah, yeah. Scorched Earth, man. Yeah. I like it. Chin Chin. 
Wow. What does that seem stronger to you? Wow, yeah. Really? It's very, very boozy. It is, yeah. It's like I've been in a spacecraft and I've landed on a sort of dusty, dune-like, hot, desert planet with yeah. lava cracks coming out of it and, you know, okay. Anakin Skywalker all burnt, going, <laughs> you were supposed to be the chosen one! Ah, like that, it's all like inflaming, wow. fiery, like, oh, it's like a Mexican scorpion. <laughs> okay. Do you not think? No. Wow. I find it very mellow. Really? Yeah. Right, we're going to go back into the world of TV advertising. Mm. It's one of the little tributaries I went on was pop music in TV ads. Basically, before the 1970s, matching a hit song to an advert wasn't a thing. It didn't exist. Oh, interesting. So most music in TV ads was just jingles, you know, that had been mm. written specifically. So I've Well, like reason the chocolate chew there's always a reason to count on you hunky chunky almonds are the secret of my beauty ah. <clears throat> i'm gonna play some audio clips okay and it's all pop songs or performers who've appeared in tv ads yeah right so you're gonna have to guess them okay so first i'm gonna play you a bit from the beginning of the song first okay So that's the beginning of the song. Okay. I'm going to play you a few seconds, a bit, a little bit from into the song. Okay. All the day and reach for the sun. Wow. Right. Do, do you recognise that? Yeah, strangely, in the recesses of my mind somewhere. Was it like something to do with like um, Starburst or like some sort of like confectionery like that? Is that your answer? Well, I'm, 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 I'm edging towards an answer. There's something special about that piece of music, that song. Right, okay. Did it raise loads of money for charity? Possibly. What sort of quiz is this? So the track is called Light and Day. Right, okay. And it's by the Polyphonic Spree. That is the most played piece of music in the history of British TV advertisements. Oh, right, okay. So it might have been on Starburst. It might have been on a charity ad. Wow. How much money do they make from that? I don't know. But I always used to feel sorry for the Polyphonic Spree, thinking they didn't get the success they deserved. Yeah. And knowing that, I don't feel sorry for them at all. They must right. get tons of royalties. I don't, I don't know what the royalties are like nowadays. I know there's a huge problem and a lot of musicians are talking about, particularly musicians from, from the old era. Like, So Iggy Pop was talking about how he used to get loads of royalties because so many of Iggy Pop's songs are used in adverts, aren't they? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And he's yeah. made so much money off the back of that. But he was talking about why he had to do those horrendous car insurance adverts is because he's like, well, the money's just dried up. I need the money. Money. And he's like, you get dog shit royalties from streaming platforms. Yeah, you just don't get the same like you used to yeah. when you were selling records that was used. I think in. I, I, it's something like naught point naught naught three cents for a play. Yeah, it's crazy, nothing. crazy it's little. Lust for life often gets cited in in worst uses of pop music in TV ads things because they, right? they use the Lust for Life on a Caribbean Cruises advert. Oh, is that the one? A Lust for Life. Yeah, from Trainspotting. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. How it sunk from <laughs> Trainspotting yeah. to Caribbean Cruises. <laughs> That's so funny, isn't it? And they don't have any say, do they? Because it's the publisher. You know, they've signed away the publishing yes. rights. Publisher yeah, does yeah. what they want with it. Okay, next clip. Oh, 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 
Is it Peter Andre? Yes. Whoa, 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 whoa. Mysterious girl, I want to touch your body. Get your body, get my abs out. Okay, well done for recognising it. Yeah. The question is, where does Peter Andre shop? Where does he shop? Yeah. Uh, Iceland. Yes. Was it Iceland? Yes. No way. And do you remember what the commercial's tagline was? No. Peter goes to Iceland. <laughs> Peter goes to Iceland. He was the luckiest twat alive, wasn't he? Let's be honest. Uh, he didn't really have any talent, but I remember he had massive six-pack. Yeah. And, and six-packs in the 90s were like, people were obsessed with them. But he basically just oiled himself up and just touched his abs and did that song made fucking tons of money from it and then went to iceland and went to iceland but that is that i mean that's a misogynistic <laughs> thing isn't it it's like 90s you know women still do the the weekly food shop and they all love a bit of peter andre so if he's shopping at iceland it gets in the subconscious and then they go to Iceland, isn't it? It's such marketing bullshit, but it works. It works. The advert was actually a female delivery driver knocking on his door. Right. He opens it. <gasps> She's speechless. Right. She goes, are, are you? And then he reaches into the bag and goes, really excited about this bag of prawns? Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Okay, you ready for the next one? For on the milk, is that like uh, the Rolling Stones doing yep. Rice Krispies? That was the Rolling Stones doing a Rice Krispies ad. They were paid 400 quid for it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that was when they were first starting out, was it? Early mid-60s, yeah. Interesting. But actually, like, if you're doing a, a, an international or national, you know, American advert, for Rice Krispies and it's on all the TV okay so you're not going to get that much money but you're getting into the subconscious of everyone and and that's really what marketing is like you know I remember reading that in order for someone to buy something they have to see it 20 times so you see it in a magazine you see it on a bus you see it on a TV you hear it on the radio and and after 20 times you subconsciously then imprinted on it so when you go to mm. the store and you've got all those different brands you've got all those different products you choose the one that you have a subconscious connection to yeah and yeah. it makes sense doesn't it and that's why mm. that's why advertising is so expensive but it does work yeah you know next one yep so much of life place for this room to grow and yes we've just begun it's only just begun okay so there's um there's like a film or something where that's played on loop <laughs> is there yeah okay. and every time it's plays like something horrendous is gonna happen i have no idea what film it is but it's on the tip of my mind So it's the carpenter's only just begun. Yeah. Question is true or false? That song was originally written as a bank commercial. True. That is true. Wow. So, so like the lyrics are like it's only just begun. That's like your life has only just begun sort of thing. Like your life has only just begun by getting a massive bank loan that you're going to have to pay off for the rest of your life. I'm so cynical, aren't I? I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it. Oh, I love this one. I always thought that was the Beatles because it's quite Beatlesque. Like it always reminds yeah. me of yeah. um, 
Living his life like an octopus in the garden. What's the how does it go? I am an octopus in the ocean garden. <laughs> it's a bit like Octopus's Garden. How though. does Octopus's Garden go? I'd like to be under the, the sea in an in octopus's, octopus's garden, garden with you or something. With you, yeah, like. In the whales. Ringo's song. So you know the song. Yeah. I'd teach the world to sing. Again, another true or false. That song was originally written as a Coke commercial. Mm, false. No, that's true. Oh, that's true as well. I should have I just say true forever. You should have done, yeah. So that started out as a Coke commercial, and then it was recorded by the New Seekers. Right. There was a guy in the New Seekers called Marty Christian. He was like the heartthrob. I once spent a week in Africa with Marty Christian. Did you? And he painted me a picture for my birthday that I still have. No way! Why did you spend a week in Africa with Marty Christian? <laughs> he was just there. Was he? He was just there. I want to see what he looks like. Marty. He was like a real heartthrob. He had, in the 70s, he had like long hair and... He looks a bit yeah. like Ozzy Osbourne. He does, actually, in that picture. How weird. I'm like, there... Oh, he's got some nice nips. Uh, oh, he's got... Oh, you can see his uh, package through his... That was a very sort of 70s thing. And he was such a lovely guy. In having conversations, I didn't know who he was. Yeah. And it's it kind of... It just dropped, or his wife dropped it or something, that he'd been in a successful band. And then he just really didn't want to talk about it. And so he didn't tell me. Right. And it wasn't until I got home and I looked him up and I went, oh, fucking hell. Because right. I love that song. I reckon that's why you got on so well with him is because you didn't know who he was and he probably really liked that. I remember having like, a really long conversation with him because he wanted to make a children's book about rabbits. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he was into painting now and kind of just didn't want to, you know, he wasn't one of those guys who wanted to relive the past. He wasn't yeah. going out on oldies tours. That's really interesting, though. Like, I do find that, you know, I think a lot of famous people, I would imagine, just would really appreciate if you could just not acknowledge that they're famous and just talk to them like they're a an- another yeah, person that's what he wanted and, and you, know. you know just respected that okay last one crystal Jun rock japan david bowie that is that's J- david bowie doing a japanese whiskey commercial oh interesting i think there's a huge thing isn't there of celebrities like western celebrities going to japan to do lots of commercials you know there was one of arnold schwarzenegger yeah. by you know japanese and he comes out of like a, a bottle and goes like I remember like Adam and Joe show Adam Joe Go Tokyo there was a whole thing about David Beckham eating nuts and it sort of basically transpires to like I remember that, yeah. David Beckham's nuts <laughs> do you know what I mean they go mm, lovely you know and, and I think uh, Lost in Translation isn't that film all about him doing adverts it is yeah Bill, Ma- Bill Murray's doing whiskey adverts yeah, yeah. yeah. it's all pre-internet yeah there was this thing we, we can do this stuff no one in the west is ever going to see it well precisely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like blooming flowers one love one peace more fran be sweet going back to the tv series you know where they created this 10 minute advertising program Mm -hmm. because there's something in that that mirrors very closely what's going on today so it was a subscription-based tv channel right they're not making enough money they're having to amp up the advertising that's exactly what's happening with netflix and youtube now yes of course yeah 
So Netflix are now like really pushing subscribers to the ads version. Mm-hmm. And they actually make more money now from the ads version mm. than they do the other version. I think it's an absolute joke. We're just being double fucked, aren't we, really? And this week, YouTube. YouTube now has an ad blocker blocker. Right. And it's a three strikes right. blocker. So if you don't uninstall the ad blocker... right. You can't watch videos on YouTube. No way. So you're forced to uninstall it. Oh, man, is is maddening. I, um... And it's not because they don't... Again, it's not because they care that you're using an ad blocker. It's because they want you to sign up for the paid service, which doesn't have the ads. Yeah. I cancelled my subscription because, like, you know, YouTube Premium had just gone to, like, 20 quid a month or something. So I'm now on back to Spotify, which is, like, £11 a month. But I was like, oh, you know what? I'm sick of all these subscriptions. I can't afford them. So I'm just going to have it without but the amount of adverts like having had a subscription for so long i was like this is unlistenable like what every other song i've got like a two adverts to like the the amount of adverts now on the internet take a spin now you're in with the techno set you're going surfing on the internet i found i find myself when i have insomnia like weirdly watching the home shopping channel the other night (laughs) i was like up until like five in the morning i just couldn't sleep and i had the uh deluxe x mattress advert on for 40 minutes and it was going like (laughs) the deluxe x mattress you will feel empowered you will feel totally rested look at the air pocket spring look we bounce an egg on it look we bounce the pasta on it like we're making cake like look at the air what do you think about oh the air mattress bro is fantastic and i find it weirdly strangely comforting and by the end of it i'm just like wow maybe all my life Maybe all the problems in my life is this the fact that I don't have the X Mattress Pro in my life. Do you know what I mean? If I get that, then maybe I won't have insomnia. And there's obviously like they're playing it at like three in the morning for people like me. Exactly like you, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I, find, I find them weirdly comforting. And actually I put it up on Instagram and a friend of mine sent me a message and was like, yeah, I find them weirdly comforting as well. I can, no, I can understand that. Like those infomercials, they yeah. go on for like ages. Yeah. And they just don't stop talking <laughs> and everything is so amped up and positive hello paul how are you doing chucky chucks i'm all right my dear how are you oh i'm doing fantastic darling oh look at your chinny chin 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 chin, chin. oh i hear that you've been cheersing and chinning and uh, oh darling i love a good cheers i love a good Fizzing, pop that cork and drip it all over me. That's what I say, darling. What have you been up to, Princess, this week? I was a punk extravaganza. Oh, I heard about this. Oh, darling, people drew me at the cult classic figure drawing in Brighton, where I was Nancy, Sid's ruination of Sid and Nancy. Yeah. And I co-starred with my beautiful friend who was Sid, and we gender-bended it all over the place, darling. I came in, and with my friend Richard, we did Rebel Girl, Rebel Girl. And then we also did, to finish, we did the song My Way. And I did it all my way, darling. I bet you did. And at one point, when I said I fucked a cat, I got my big prosthetic 12-inch banger out. (laughs) Nobody knew that was coming. So you had a nice time then. <laughs> right, are you ready to play? Who wants to be a cocktail? <laughs> 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 
everybody. As you know, you know the game, but I'm going to tell you anyway. I will give you a cocktail recipe. You must guess that, and then I'll give you three sparkly spangle clues that have come from the recesses of my imaginarium. And if you guess the cocktail and whatever I'm thinking from the clues, you get 50,000 adulation points and a signed print from me. All you have to do is send in your answer to no garnish pod on instagram or email it in to no garnish at fastmail.fm so you've been doing television so just think of the tv and that will give you an idea okay it's a film darling but you can also get the actor if you get the actor and the film you get bonus points of multiple adulations all over you right are you ready yeah so the cocktail is the recipe half a teaspoon of sugar with a dash of water several dashes of bitters a heavy shot of old grandad bourbon that's very important has to be old grandad a chunky block of ice and zero garnish no garnish for this cocktail no garnish hold off on the garnish very important right okay and that is it darlings i thought i knew what that was but you're being very specific about certain aspects well the thing is it's a very simple cocktail and you know what the cocktail that is yeah but these specific things will guide you to the person okay and the person okay will help guide you to the film and the actor ah Mm, very cerebral, darling. Yeah, all right. Okay, are you ready for your cryptic clues? Yep. Cryptic clue number one. When the truth is stranger than fiction, but the fiction is told by a liar, don't say a word or your pants will be on fire. <laughs> okay. Yep. Okay, cryptic clue number two. Truer words are said by the jester wearing a mask. He'll leave you blind as a bat and dumb, glued to the box and sucking your thumb. Okay. All right. And cryptic clue number three. A liar will venture halfway to Fiji before the truth has chance to sail. Three things that cannot be hidden. The sun, man on the moon, and the opportunity to always fail. Right, darlings, I've got to go, you see. I'm off to have my own reality TV show, you see. And basically, contestants are going to live in a big mansion with me. And whoever doesn't go mad after a month, <laughs> let's see if they can survive a month of the princess. Ah, I'll see wow. you later. What a concept. Bye. <laughs> Oh, did she break the mic several times on that? Take? I think she broke the sound barrier on that one. <laughs> did she like literally sonic boom? Yes. yes. <laughs> it's a good job we do this at night, isn't it? <laughs> well, when there's no one else in the building. Yeah, yeah, to hear all this. They can still hear you over the road, I'm sure. <laughs> they can hear over the other side of Brighton. There's probably. like a modern church over the road. And I wouldn't be surprised if they frequently during their sermons have to stop and go, hang on. What, as all the crucifixes start rattling <laughs> yeah, on yeah, the wall? Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, she's just finished the quiz. We can carry on now. <laughs> so, um, everyone, uh, last episode, we were doing all about demons, weren't we? If you got the cocktail right, it was called the Red Dragon Cocktail. And the artist was William Blake. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, there's a famous painting of his. Famous it? painting of yeah, his. right. And the bonus points were Red Dragon, the Hannibal Lecter film. That's what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah, so an idiosyncratic madman of his time 
devouring Saturn into a black hole of Earth's answer, consuming the Sun, Ghost and Holy Spirit. So, <laughs> William Blake was considered very idiosyncratic and a bit of a madman of mm. his time because he was sort of seen as being very, like, avant-garde. And Saturn devouring his children, I think, is the famous painting of his, where it's like a mad kind of, like, giant guy eating his children. Okay. Devouring Saturn into a black hole of Earth answer, which is one of his poems, consuming the sun, ghost, and holy spirit. And he was very, like, sort of anti-church. So that was the first clue. Okay. The red dragon, the dragon embodies Saturn seeking to exact revenge on women who has given birth to the follower of God who will spread the Christian faith. That's what the red dragon painting's about. Blimey. Okay. The second one, escaping the frozen marriage bed to drag the chain of life in weary lust yeah only to live in free love devoid of marriage of legal prostitution and the frozen marriage bed uh, is in visions and he writes till she who burns with youth and knows no fixed lot is bound in spells of law to one she loathes and she must drag the chains of life in weary lust he was great fun at parties. <laughs> so he was um, actually very against the idea of marriage. And for the 19th century, okay. he was kind of considered like, you know, a real pioneer of the free love movement. So he didn't really kind of like the idea of being chained to one person. I don't know if it's just a couple of cocktails, but for some reason in my brain, William Blake now is getting messed up with the week before's clues of Last of the Summer Wine. <laughs> so now I'm just picturing William Blake in Last of the Summer Wine. <laughs> That's very weird. It's very, yes. Welcome to my head. <laughs> and then he considered that marriage was basically legal prostitution. Right. <laughs> and then the third one, and this is directly related to um, the film Red Dragon, consuming parchment with a glass of fine wine. Well, you know, Hannibal Lecter's famous quote, isn't it, is I joyed his liver, his liver with, with a glass of Chianti. Chianti, yeah. yeah. I never thought centuries later I'd be revived by a monstrous creature of pop culture. And, and who would have thought William Blake probably wouldn't have thought that his work would no. be revived by a film like yeah. that. Actually, yeah, there we go, man. <laughs> but i'm really surprised because no one sent in their answer really? to that one really? <laughs> <laughs> well i'm hoping that this week's one is a bit easier well they might do because remember that episode hasn't aired yet that was it not no no <laughs> oh god <laughs> they might do then they might do I'll cut that bit out <laughs> no I think leave it in it's quite funny <laughs> and then someone's probably like hey I did I did message in like what oh man it's been lovely I've really enjoyed this evening yeah I'm sorry you didn't like the second cocktail so much that's okay you like it I like the yeah. first one so it's 50-50 50-50 right what are we gonna drink next week oh I don't know what is it spin the wheel of mixed fortune Whoa. Hey, be careful what you wish for. Yeah. 
the Bloody Mary. Oh my God, is it Bloody Mary time? It's come up. There you go. Oh, I've never had a Bloody Mary. Oh, I feel a bit queasy at the thought of it actually, but okay. I can't believe you've never had one. I'm kind of a little bit scared of it because just that much tomato juice kind of grosses me out. And you know my feelings about celery. It's on the list because you wanted to do it. Is it? Yeah. What was I thinking? I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued, but it's kind of a little bit like a horror ride or something. I'm both intrigued and repulsed in equal measures. That sounds great. (laughs) I'm looking forward to this one. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so Mm. much for the drinks, Paul. Absolutely love that first cocktail. I'll definitely have that again. Chin chin. And um, cheerio to your faces. (laughs) I hope your uh, mood is okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like us on uh, Instagram. Um, send any messages through there. Or you can email them in. Oh, speaking messages. Do you remember you were dissing croquet a couple of episodes ago? Oh, yeah. You've had a rebuttal. Oh. One of our listeners, Kirsten, she says she likes it because it's a game that people forget to be competitive about and it has mallets and it's an Alice in Wonderland. Oh. That's kind of hard to argue with. Well, I say that the only way really to settle this argument is that she gets her croquet hammer and I get mine and it's croquet's at dawn. Yeah. <laughs> I'll set that up. Yeah. Can we have some mist? Yeah. yeah. And a bit like um, Ghostbusters, choose the maker of your destructor. Whatever she wants to ride on. And I'm going to choose whatever what, to ride on. You don't ride on anything in croquet. Well, no, because we're going to go head to head okay. and it's going to be a fight to the death. I love your relationship with our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you know, okay. whatever vehicle or mode of transport, I'm thinking I'm probably going to get a Duloc dog. Um, and I'm thinking be like she, in might the like labyrinth. Go, she might go for a dodo if it's Alice in Wonderland. Oh, a dodo, that would be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. So okay. I'll have the Duloc dog like in the labyrinth, you know, okay. the little fox when yeah. he's on the dog. She can have a dodo. Okay. <laughs> we'll fight to the death with mist <laughs> and dry ice. What would the soundtrack for that be? <laughs> Peter Andre's Mysterious Girl. <laughs> I think that would be perfect. <laughs> cheers. Oh, cheers. Cheers. Mind blown. Mind blown, man.